Hi, everybody. Welcome again to another episode of the Shop Notes podcast. I'm your host, Phil Huber, joined with the usual cast of suspects, Logan and John, today. And we have a very special episode today. We're going to be digging back to one of our favorite uh, segments called What Grinds Your Chisels? We're also going to give a little project update on what's been going on. Logan just finished an issue of Popular Woodworking, so we'll get a update on that issue that you can look forward to as well. A couple of comments from last week's podcast where we shared a photo of some of the tools that uh, one of our listeners and viewers sent in. So one guy says the mystery hammer looks like a drift a blacksmith might use. Uh, another question or comment was he's looking forward to the antique wood hand plane restoration project. Uh, two of those tools that were sent in were one was a, a rabbit plane, a skew rabbit plane, and another was a, a four plane. So I think we'll look at that on a video on what we can do to get those back up and running. Cause this guy says he has an ancient plane that my grandfather used in his earlier days that I'd like to restore. So I think that's kind of cool because I think there's something to be said for old tools that you just sort of cracker barrel onto the wall and just have as a reminder and they serve as shop art. But it's a whole nother level, I think, when you can put those tools back into use. I think that the, I think the tools want to be used. So uh, another guy says that maybe the hammer is for ring making. Any of you... After you saw him, Logan, did you see that any of those tools ring a bell for what they could have been? I think that that hammer is a tinner's hammer. I think. So somebody okay. that would be doing like sheet metal work. Like right. you think of like early ducting and stuff. I think that's what it is. I just don't think it's heavy enough to be a blacksmith hammer. Yeah. Like a drift. Um, it's just, I think it's too small scale. Um, the head on it kind of looks like a cobbler's hammer. But I don't know what the punch end would be for, so that doesn't make sense to me. Um, yeah. So tin, a tinner's hammer is what I'm going with, but I have been wrong many, many, many times. So yeah, the mushrooming on the the head makes me think either it's not a tinner's hammer or they were pounding too misused. hard or, yes. or using yeah. it for something not, else. It was not a blacksmith hammer. Yeah. 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 Which yeah, I mean, somebody originally thought it was a blacksmith hammer, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, well, it's the whole thing. Like, uh, if all you have is a hammer, then everything is a nail. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> uh, yep. Yeah, the one uh, aluminum two pronged tool thing kind of looked like a handheld garden weeder to me, maybe. But I can't think of any woodworking or yeah other uses for it. Well, you kept calling it a pickle fork, Logan. Yeah, like in the automotive industry, a pickle fork is like a, um, it's a tool used to like pry parts, I guess. Yeah. Um, Like, you know, think of like uh, prying a, you know, wheel bearing off or a a stuck rotor or something. And that's what it appears to me. But again, that's just a complete guess. There is a name on it. So we could probably look up the name and maybe get some idea. Um, I didn't dig into it that far. Um, Right. But that's what that's to me. The construction seems like it is a prying type tool. It very well could be a weeder, like a hand weeder, like John said, because you could stab it and lever it. 
Yeah, it just seemed so. weird for being a, you know, if it's for auto, you know, a mechanical thing being aluminum like that. Yeah. It feels like that would be too soft for. It was very, you, it wasn't sharp or, I mean, it was no. just very rounded and so I don't know. Are you sure it's aluminum? It kind of had the feel of like pot aluminum. You guys talk amongst yourself. I'm going to go get it because I have an <laughs> okay. aluminum magnet that we can check that with. Ooh, nice. <laughs> oh, those He's are do rare. A yeah. Metallurgy on this thing. Yeah. What's the melting temperature? <laughs> I would say a map Heat gas torch should melt it if it's aluminum. Yeah. <laughs> Sacrifice it so we can figure out what the tool is. Thankfully, being part of a magazine that creates all sorts of shop jigs we have an ample stash of rare earth magnets yeah. except when you everywhere. need them except when you right. need them then you they're can't not, find they're them they're not anywhere. usually that rare so nope nope that's a no yeah so but it's not i don't know the, sh the shape of the prongs how they're kind of rounded makes me think it's some sort of prying tool but then well that's what i mean like the handle it's like what is it okay I mean, talk you're not getting yourself. a lot of leverage okay <laughs> I think Logan is physically going to Google. <laughs> it's the Google of things. It's the yeah. it's the new new deal here. Yep. He went to go get his pickle fork out of the fridge. Right. Because <laughs> <laughs> you just leave it right in the pickle barrel. You just leave then you it don't in the have jar. to worry about it. Yeah. Yep. So yeah, it's got a rounded. So for those, I'll put another photo of it on the show notes page for today. Oh. But see. Oh yeah. See. But your prongs are very sharp and like at the flat, you can wedge into something where these are more rounded. The bottom is yes. flat, so you think it would rock on that surface. Yes. But, but does I mean, it seems like a prying um, device, though, right? Yeah, it does seem like a prying sort. device because you have this very rockery. But it's not like you're going to put that flat on a surface and have any kind of leverage with yeah. the shape of the handle. No, right. that's true. Know. What's the name um, on it, Phil? We're going to Google this damn thing. Okay, well, here's the deal. <laughs> you can't see it? You can't read it? Yeah, I got to get my iPad glasses on. <laughs> All right, the lighting is in there. It's terrible. Yep. It says Markle, M-A-R-K-L-E. Patent pending. Detroit, Michigan. Ooh. It's got to be from the car industry then. That's what I'm saying. A pickle fork. <laughs> yep. Or from the Motown uh, music. Okay, so get this. All right. It's a tuning fork. Dang it. I Maybe. hate it when John's right. Uh, Markle Michigan, uh, the Markle Tool Company in Michigan, made aluminum gardening tools. Mm. So See? I'm going to say John is on the right track there. It's a dandelion uh, puller. Uh-huh. Nate, if you're editing this, can you add a point to my window here? <laughs> Ping! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that would be awesome. Points will be tallied oh, no. at the end. Right. That's that's funny because I think I think you are absolutely correct with your assumption, John. See. I can't actually find like a image of it. Mm -hmm. But um there are other aluminum tools. They were called the Featherlight Garden Tools. Okay. Um, by Dorothy F. Markle and Harry C. Markle. 
case you guys are wondering. So, not related to Meghan Markle, uh, if you are questioning that, as I was. <laughs> Good to know. Right. I thought that would have been in the book then. Yeah. Yep. Gardening tool heiress. Mm-hmm. So, I think the the mystery can be put to rest. No, I think it still goes on. I still think That's there's it. probably a Meghan Markle connection to it. We got to get Henry Louis Gates in here and do like a Finding mm-hmm. Your Roots to see if we can get some kind of a connection between between yeah. us. Um, so it's, it looks, it appears as though they are from the 40s. Okay. So. All right. So I'm going to bequeath this then to our brethren and sistren over at Garden mm-hmm. Gate Magazine then. I would. Give them the aluminum pickle fork. Yep. Slash dandelion puller. Dandelion fork. Yep. All right. Myths busted on the Shop Notes podcast today. That's why you tune in every every week. That's why we do this. All right. In other big news, after this is a project that I thought would take a lot less time but i am today and by the time this podcast airs i will be done with my first large project of 2023 now granted it's a carryover from 2022 mm-hmm. it's the it sideboard also, it is also and maybe more importantly your first popular woodworking project it is well. yes so i am going to be cross published i don't know what the word is for that but yeah so it's a sideboard mid-century modern style out of some sweet sweet black walnut the sweetest black walnut Mm -hmm. yeah so i think yeah word on the street is that logan has the best walnut right that's yeah that's what i've heard from dylan and now phil so Yeah, I'm Where basically Megan Markle of Walnut. Yeah, that's how I'd put it. Is that yeah. is that the right way to put yeah. it? <laughs> so if you're looking for black walnut, you just dial one eight hundred chunk a trunk. That's yep. right. And ask for Logan. Slinging wood all over the country. Yeah. Yep. So Anyway, so I'll put a photo of the completed sideboard up on the show notes page so you can see what it looks like. I'm pretty happy with it. It's turned out super Mm -hmm. cool. Uh, If you were to come by in person before I ship this off to its new owner, I will point out all the flaws in it because it's a failing of woodworkers to do that. But it's turned out extremely well. I'm, I'm really pleased with it. Yeah, I I think it is one of my favorite pieces I've seen you build. No, oh. not saying that there are not favorites, <laughs> <laughs> but it is one of my favorites. <laughs> right. Uh, okay. So anyway, to go back to the sawmilling thing, I thought of you with all of the atmospheric river storms that were hitting California. Yeah, And there were several articles about the number of trees that have been toppled by all these storms from having super dry ground, then getting a ton of rain. And I was thinking, like, I wonder 
like how much is Logan like finding his truck keys in his pocket to be able to drive to California and saw redwoods that had toppled and bring you know, them back here? When somebody within our company gets so sick of me enough that they fire me, I will be doing that full time, one hundred percent. I will be storm yeah. chasing with the sawmill, absolutely. <laughs> I will be in Florida for the hurricanes. I will be in in California for the torrential downpours. You know. Yep. Yeah. Because so. I think, I mean, storms are a fact of life, but yeah. to have some redwood would be some sweet vegan woodworking. Well, and I feel like we've talked about that. Like, I at some point in the next couple of years. We'll hook up with one of my guys in like Washington and California, um, Oregon, that I know that do a lot of big burl and stuff. Yeah, and I will bring my gooseneck trailer out there and haul home a law a trailer full of redwood logs because I agree. Like, how cool would that be? To I mean, they're not gonna be huge. They're not gonna be like massive old growth ones. No, no, but, but still, just nice redwoods. I mean, come on, man. Like, yeah. Yeah, can we get redwood here in Iowa from our dealer? Do they sell? I don't wood think or... we I don't know. can. That would have I to don't... be some sort of special order. Yeah, I, I don't think a, you can. Um, I feel like I looked at it because one of the and I, I might have said this a couple weeks ago. One of the first projects I'm doing when the shop's done is going to be a cedar strip canoe. It's kind of been something I've always wanted to build. Something I've wanted to build for the magazine, and I thought about a redwood canoe. Like that would be cool. Yeah. And I feel like I looked at Liberty to see if they could get rid Redwood, and I don't think they can. I'm on their website. It does not say that they can. So it's. I think it would have to be one of those, like, super specialty type things. Yeah. You know, back, I think back 35, 40 years ago, you could. Like, I, most trim was made out of Redwood because it was really long and really nice yeah. to cut. So. Well, and I remember uh, my dad when he first – started getting woodsmith um he built a couple of planters and made them out of redwood because mm -hmm. like even in wisconsin he could find it and it was not too difficult to find and it was i mean he still has those planters they're for sure 30 mm -hmm. i mean they're older than that 35 40 years old and have lived outdoors. I think the glue has failed on a couple of them and he's just re-glued them or pinned them, you know, mm -hmm. put like white oak dowels or something in there just to keep it going. But they, they're fantastic. And it's a great, yeah. cool looking plan too. So. Yeah. I mean, it'll just a quick Google search tells me like there are places you can order Redwood from. Now I don't, a lot of them are going to be like, you know, kind of, uh, think of like um, pergola size stuff yeah um, so you know four by sixes and stuff like that i don't want to know what the price would be on some of this um, yeah i have to imagine that me bringing a thirty thousand pound trailer out there uh, with my truck and hauling logs home has to be cheaper per i would think so at the end of the day so yeah When I lived in Chicago, there was a lot of buildings that were getting converted into loft apartments and stuff. And a lot of the buildings there had uh, 
water tanks on the top of the building for their fire suppression systems. And they were all redwood. So there was kind of a thriving trade for a while of reclaimed redwood from all these water towers. Yep. I actually, I have a little bit of redwood here. Um, We have used some of it for a couple of projects. Um, I, I had some from my brother. Uh, he was, he, for a couple of years, he worked for a company that was re-roughing Menards and he went to one, I don't remember where he went, but they had the same thing. They had a water tank that they tore off before they re-roofed it and yeah. he brought a couple of pieces home for me. Um, then I got some from a, um, school here in town that was like the railing around their pool or something like that. Hmm. Um, as it was all those little short pieces I had with, uh, holes, the holes in it and stuff. Yeah. So. Yeah, because we did, uh, Woodsmith did a lantern, like a candle lantern project. And I think I did the video of that using some redwood from from that. So This lantern. Yes, that lantern. So, yeah. Yep, just beautiful. This and this is old growth um, redwood. I mean, there are, gosh, there has to be twenty growth rings per inch on that. Oh yeah, you know. So and, and redwoods are fast growing tree. So that's definitely some old growth stuff, which is super awesome. Yeah. So. Cool. Yep. All right, now you shared last week, Logan, that you had uh, your golfer's elbow bothering you from that. I will say that in some sympathy, I've had some trouble with my left thumb, like right at the base of it. Yeah. Just like like I can feel it sore right in there. Yeah. Yeah. I started on an old man regiment of to leave with my coffee every morning. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that seems to be helping. What doesn't help is framing a bunch and then saying, oh, I'm really sore. I'm not going to frame. Instead, I'm going to go run my sawmill for 12 hours. <laughs> that does not help. And I did that on Saturday. So that was not a good life choice. But, you know, when the ashes fall, the need arises. Yeah. <laughs> so you got to be lifting with your back, not with your elbows. I, yeah, it, it's funny. <laughs> I didn't lift a damn piece of lumber the entire day. All I did was stand there and push the mill. But what it was, was the, it was the cranking up and down of the saw head. Never have I wanted a powered saw head more than Saturday. But, you know, eh, it is what it is. Yeah. What do you do? Yeah. Don't get old. That's what you don't do. Yep. The good news is, at this rate, you're going to be parking your truck and mill in the handicapped parking spots pretty soon. <laughs> right. I mean, yes. You've earned it. Yes. You've earned mm-hmm. it. That's true. Yeah. No, framing is almost done, though, so hopefully I'll stop being a little whiny guy in a couple of weeks, because yeah. stop swinging the hammer. Yeah. There is something about uh, framing and doing DIY work where you're doing that kind of stuff or up and down ladders that your body just aches. Cause it's like, you're not normally using yeah. those muscles yeah. and yep. all of a sudden you're using them a lot and 
or yeah, it's like swinging hammers or roofing or that kind of thing. Well, they yeah, it's like, it's often. like normal woodworking stuff doesn't bother me at all. Mm-hmm. But it's yeah, it's the like you know framing up an eight foot wall, then standing it up, and then climbing up the ladder twelve times, and then you know walking around for thirty minutes yelling at myself because I can't find one of the six pencils I set down. <laughs> um, yeah, struggle. I, yeah, I on what Monday? Monday was the yeah we were closed Monday. So Monday, I decided to finish framing up the office. Uh, so I, some of the last walls I needed to build were the office walls, and I'm gonna have one little divider wall in there, kind of like our shop does to put the saws up against the saw up against. Yeah. Um, but the the office one was one of the main things to finish up, and the office has a small loft above it. Um, so the office and bathroom ceilings are like nine and a half foot. So there's like a three and a half, four foot uh, loft above them, which will be is going to be great for storage, and it's a big area. Uh, I'm glad that I decided to frame that out. But lifting, I'm like, okay, I'm going to get some like thin OSB for the flooring up there because it's not. I mean, it's just storage, right? Yeah. But then I'm like, you know what? Like my kids might get up there and they might use it as like a little hangout area, you know, like whatever. So if I'm in the office, like podcasting or working, I don't want to hear stuff flexing or whatever. So I'm like, I'm just going to get three quarter inch tongue and groove, um, OSB. It's like 20 bucks. It's not that expensive. Um, um, MFers are heavy and I had to get them up there by myself. Like, so I was carrying them in on my head, right? Like I'm holding the sheet. The resting on my head. I had my hat on. I now have a bruise on the top of my head from that little <laughs> button on the hat. And trying to <laughs> trying to carry those up the ladder to get them on top of the loft area was ridiculous. Not my brightest moment in my life. So should have just waited until I had help this weekend. But yeah. you know what? Mama didn't raise a wiener. So <laughs> Yeah. 10, 15 years ago, you probably just would have carried it over your head and then just chucked it up there. No, you can't. Yeah. Yeah. Climb a ladder. <laughs> I tried that, and I now have one piece of flooring that's a broken corner because it slid off. <laughs> like, I can, I can get it to, like, like just kind of right up there, and I'm like, I'm just going to shove it really hard and see if it flies up there. Mm-hmm. And it, flo- it flew up there, and then it kind of started teetering, and then it fell back down. Yeah. It's like, oh. It's probably because you were throwing it right into the wind. Yeah. That's the right. Got that's it. right. Yeah. yeah. So what do you have for insulation in there? Is it just fiberglass or are you doing... I'm doing roll bats, yeah. I had... So one of our... um, uh, One of the advertisers we work with a lot um, is Panther Router. Um, And I know everybody that listens has heard me talk about how much I love their... The Panther Router. But um, the the owner of Panther Router, Max Sheldon, uh, he used to be in the spray foam industry, like back in his working day. I mean, he still works, but now he's kind of semi-retired running Panther Router. Um, but he used to be in the spray foam industry, and he, we we had dinner with him out in Portland when we were out there, and he he was trying to convince me to do spray foam, and I would love to, I would love to spray foam that shop. It's just the price is so cost prohibitive for what it's for what the building is costing already. Like yeah. I mean, part of me is like, well, if you're doing it, you might as well just do it. But yeah. at the same time, I'm like, am I gonna gain? that much off of it and the the roll bat insulation so i'm doing r19 on the walls which is a six and a half inch insulation it's it's fiberglass bat um i think the the insulation for the entire like woodworking half of the building 
is like twenty three hundred bucks. So it's not that bad. Right. And that's that's with the with the bag insulation for the ceiling. No. Oh, okay. So that will that will be blown in cellulose insulation. Okay. Um. So, you know, it's would spray foam be better? Yeah. And the big thing I think with spray foam is that it stiffens the entire building, but it adds a lot of sound dampening as well. And it, it it's an air. They actually say that spray foam isn't as good of insulator as insulation. But what it does is it creates a um, air barrier, so there's no drafts. Air yeah. can't get through it, so that's where you gain a lot of your insulation value. Um, on the flip side, though, by having bat insulation, to me, it's a lot easier to come back and add stuff later if I wanted. So, like, if I wanted to fish a wire or oh, yeah. you know something like that, and because I'm only drywalling from the ceiling down 10 foot, I'm going to have three foot of like wainscoting around it. I could pull those panels off and pull wires then again, if I needed to. So with insul or with spray foam, it would be a little bit harder to do that. You know, I'm just trying to justify myself on making this mistake, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. you know, yeah. So. It's a safe place here. So you just had an issue go out. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, actually I need to approve it today from the to the printer so yep it is sent off i just need to approve a couple final corrections um fun issue i'm excited about this issue um because over the last year or so i have kind of spent a lot of time traveling to contributing writers doing photos with them and now i'm getting a lot of those projects kind of into the mix so it's kind of fun seeing you know projects i was you know in somebody's shop shooting with them um, kind of come to fruition through the, the magazine and stuff. So um, we have a building a wooden spokeshave, so a round bottom wooden spokeshave using a Ron Hawk blade, which Ron Hawk just announced he's retiring. Um, oh, really? The company to Lee Valley. Oh. Um, so you heard it here first, folks. Um, so the spokeshave build, we have a... A stickly number 630 drop leaf table. So it's like a little side table, uh, two drawers, drop leaves on both sides. Originally, Stickley sold it as a sewing table, uh, but it's like a, it's kind of a nice like side table type size. Um, that's by the Arts and Crafts Master Willie Sandry out of Portland. Um, then we have a uh, veneered chessboard by Scott Grove, um, kind of one of the premier veneer guys in the world. Um, so we did a veneered chessboard. It's on MDF core, but it has, uh, you know, black and white, um, dyed checkers, a curly, uh, mahogany border around it. So, and then some mother pearl inlays. So that'll be a really nice one. Um, it turned out really good. Um, and finally we have a, this one's kind of not, not necessarily a project, but it's a technique that I shot with. Charles Brock, um, people might recognize him. He runs the um, YouTube show, The Highland Woodworker series. So he travels around and kind of interviews and runs that little thing. Uh, but Charles is also really well known as a chairmaker. Um, he, uh, Chuck was a, uh, started teaching at Highland Woodworking in Atlanta. He actually was asked by Chris Bagsby, the owner of Highland, to step in and teach a Maloof rocker class because Sam Maloof had to cancel it. 
So they had a bunch of people signed up, and he's like, hey, you know, hey, I want you to come in and teach I'm a loof rocker because Sam canceled his own class. <laughs> so, uh, so, so Chuck is really well known for his, his sculpted rockers. Um, very, very good woodworker. So this is a building a coopered seat. So this is how you make that kind of oh. scooped style, Windsor yeah. style type seat. Um, but you do it via coopering. So there's a whole lot less grinding. You know, like when we did the Welsh stick chair, you dish that out with a grinder. And it makes a mess and it, it's, it's a lot of work. Um, this is a, a cool technique where you bevel everything, you make a coopered seat, but by making a coopered seat, you can actually bandsaw away most of the waste. So then you just have very little shaping and sanding to, to finish it out. So, um, yeah, so I'm, I'm super excited for this article or for this issue. So nice. Yeah. But I keep getting questions, and I keep telling people it is not a newsstand. You cannot go to Barnes and Noble and buy it. You have to be a subscriber. So it's a pretty exclusive club, right? <laughs> true story. True, true story. Yep. You just polybag them with Woodsmith issues on the newsstand. Ooh, there we go. As long as I don't ride your coattails, right? Because newsstand people, as soon as you say polybag, their heads explode. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Every time you say polybag, a newsstand rep flips her something. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Well, and let's be—I mean, let's be fair too. And this is a little um, look on the inside that you know our listeners might not be aware of. I mean, they may have subliminally noticed it, that the newsstand presence for magazines and publications is is shrinking. And it has been for a number of years. Like, if you walk into a grocery store, there's no longer an aisle full of magazines like there used to be. Oh, yeah. You know, when I was younger, you go into, like, Hy-Vee, and there would be a full aisle, at least half an aisle of magazines. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And you don't see that anymore. So uh, it, it's kind of shifting. So... An interesting beast. Yep, it is. All the tabloid and celebrity magazines are hanging on tight, though. <laughs> in the, in the national, grocery stores, National, mm-hmm. national Enquirers still yeah. have to check the, out <laughs> the original <laughs> clickbait. Yeah. yeah. All right. Which uh, complaining about newsstand leads us perfectly into our one of our favorite segments here on the Shop Notes podcast of what grinds your chisels. Which, for those of you who we haven't done one in a while for good reason, because it's, it's a lot of rage um, is what we talk about as the things in the woodworking or woodworking industry that really just kind of drive you nuts. And they're very subjective, which makes it perfect fodder for a segment like what grinds your chisels. For example, for me, my perennial one is cordless tools and the cost of cordless tool batteries. Yep. Because there's no explanation for it. Zero explanation. Well, it's it's like the up-and-coming electric cars. The lithium has to go somewhere. Right. It's going to car batteries. Yeah. 
I thought it was more like a drug dealer thing. It's like, here's the tools for free. <laughs> but, you know, yeah. you come back for the batteries, that's when it's going to cost you. Yeah. yeah. You want to power those tools? We got you. Although, to be fair, you know, having been around as long as I have, I remember cordless tool batteries not lasting that long, and so you just kind of chucked them. But I have a Bosch 12-volt little drill driver and that bad boy is for sure 12 years old I think and it just chugs along like the batteries still take a charge Mm -hmm. I've gotten some new batteries for it just because I wanted a little more capacity Uh, but the original batteries they don't last as long but it still works so it's it's been pretty handy to keep that keep that around yeah you know it's funny i'm i'm like slowly switching my i've i've been on a ryobi system for the longest time i know we get hate (laughs) we've got hate in the past when we talk about that but i've been on ryobi and i have a couple things that have started to die like the actual tools died um you know falls off 14 foot ladders may have had something to do with it some of my batteries have just stopped taking charge. I'm like, okay, it's maybe time I start looking at a different system. Um, Just because we did a 12 volt drill driver test in Popwood and got a lot of different drivers in. I really like the DeWalt stuff, but I also bought a Milwaukee um, 18 volt impact driver. And I really like that too, but you're right. It's like, you get the tool for free, but the batteries, that's where the money is. Yeah. So, and, and that's, like we said a couple of episodes ago, that's one thing you don't usually buy secondhand because you never know what you're getting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's for sure. Have either of you ever had gone to the trouble of getting, like, the batteries rebuilt, or no. is that even, like, worth it? Uh, you know, I've considered it because I had... Prior to this Bosch drill, I had a larger, it was a 14-volt, what was it, NICAD battery set, or drill. And I really loved that drill, because it had enough power, it was what I thought was a a decent size for it. And I looked into getting them replaced, because you go to, you know, a place like Interstate Battery, or um, what's the other battery? Batteries Plus. Batteries Plus. And they offer to rebuild them. And I took it in and he was like, it's going to be like 80 bucks to redo the battery at the time. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, that doesn't make sense, does it? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I can almost get a new drill with the battery for that. Right. And that was kind of the issue where it's, but I hate throwing out, you know, because if the batteries are trash, then it's like, what do you do? Like, do you? Right. Mm -hmm. You just have this dead tool hanging around. Yeah. So you hotwire a plug onto it. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So. Yes. Direct. Get one of the like. It feels like that should be an aftermarket thing, where it's like you have a little battery like pack that's like got the cord on it and it converts it DC okay. to AC. Okay. You just snap it on there well, with the cord. You know they make those. They, or I don't. I shouldn't say they. China makes the converters. <laughs> Right, to, like I think the government makes them, 
Uh, they make the converters that convert some of the batteries to other brands and stuff. So it's like mm-hmm. you can buy a converter to convert like your DeWalt batteries to M- Milwaukee, or you right. can convert you know your your Milwaukee batteries to a Dyson vacuum. You know, like where you can plug it into your Dyson. So you know, I think that's not that far fetched, right? Yeah. I mean, it just has to go from AC to DC. Right. So yeah. just write it off. Yeah. All right, so you guys got my chisels. What? (laughs) Bring it on. What what grinds my chisels, and I'm saying this with nobody in mind, when you get somebody, when I give somebody lumber, they ask me for lumber, and then four years later, they still have not used said lumber. That they're really just, grinds my chisels. They're just banking it. Yeah. It's an investment. Well, <laughs> and to be fair, I feel weird about it, but somebody, Dylan needed some honey locust, some locust for something. And I was like, who have I cut locust for? It's like, I had a couple locust logs at one point. Where did those go? And I remember where they went. And I called them and I'm like, hey, still got those locust logs? Oh, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I was like, what? what do you mean you don't know? So we went and got them. So I got a couple pieces of the locusts back for Dylan. But I'm like, man, I could have sold that or something. Right. Yeah. It seems like there's a whole like group of people that are just lumber hoarders. Like you yeah. see that like on marketplace where like this old farmer, you know, is retiring and needs to clean out the shed and it's full of lumber, lumber. from 40 yeah. years ago. And it's like, what, what did you think you were going to do with it? Yeah. <laughs> you know, just like people now, get stuff at auctions and then they store it. Yeah. And now I, I, that's why I didn't phrase it that lumber hoarders grab my chisels because I get the like you know, obviously I get buying and trading and selling and like, if you mm-hmm. get a good deal, like, Hey, yeah, grab it and stash it. But like when, especially when I'm giving it to somebody, right. It's like, man, use it, use it, right. You use it or you lose it. That's I think right. You'll that come re- from... After four years, you come and <laughs> yeah. reclaim it. I'm repossessing this. <laughs> I, I did. <laughs> It's a subsidiary of Chunk of Trunk is uh, <laughs> is a lumber, lumber repo. repo. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, just pulls up while you're at work and mm-hmm. loads up your yeah. lumber and drives off. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, lumber uh, and, and, lumber bail bonds. And to be fair, so I'm I'm kind of busting Dana's balls on this, but uh, I uh, there is a, I mean there's a point where I help myself by just giving people lumber it's like I, I get rid of it you know like yeah i like to sell it and that's how i have some play money for my nice tools and stuff right but there's a point where it's like you know i like so the the this was dana our former um a retired uh shop craftsman and it was one of those like i had a bunch of lumber here and he came over um he gave me an, a couple ash slabs from a tree i took up to waterloo to have cut that was his and i had a bunch of walnut here i'm like hey you want some of this you want some of this you know um elm that i had cut and then uh 
the the two locust logs I had laying here, and I'm like, I mean, they're here. I'm gonna cut them to get rid of them, but I don't want lo- honey locust. Like it's, I mean, it's a weird looking wood. It's it's very salmon colored. It's just not something I'm gonna use. But I knew Dana was was using it for a table for his daughter. <laughs> so I was like, hey, you want this? And then when I when Dylan's like, hey, do you know anybody that has any locusts? Because I need some. I was like, Dana does. And I called him. He's like, I forgot I had this. I'm like. Dana, come on, man! <laughs> and then he's—we were in his garage yesterday, and he's like, "Hey, yeah, there's that huge, like three and a half foot wide piece of elm you gave me." And you know, I don't know what these two are. I'm like, Dana, these are those like these are like my best book matched walnut that I've ever had <laughs> that I gave you. You need to use this, or it's going to get repoed. <laughs> That's a warning. Yeah. Nice. Doesn't grind my chisels that bad, but it grinds them a little bit. Yeah. Right. So. Yeah, I don't know if this is something like you can categorize as grinding your chisels or if it's more of a shot uh, to the ego. Um, and it's kind of loosely woodworking related, but uh, as a project designer, I always have to order hardware online, you know, just finding different stuff online. So I'm like creating different accounts with you know, these places where I'm ordering stuff and you go to put in your email address and ask for a password and you're like, all right, I'm going to give it my best password. And you put in your password and it's like, it's too weak. Come back with the stronger. It's like, that's the best I had. You think I just have all these passwords? It's like, come on. It's like, what do you want from me? And then you put in another one and it's like, it's still too weak. You know, we have this whole web team that specializes in like 45 character passwords. Right. Have you ever seen a Tony Claude password? Come on. The keyboard smash. smash, Yeah. (laughs) But it's like, okay, it's going to be so strong now. I won't even remember this password. Yeah. It's going to be that strong that I can't even get into it. So that just happened to me before the podcast. And I was just like, oh, man, I gave you my best. What do you want from me? Oh, that's awesome. I mean, I will agree that online shopping, as convenient as it is, drives you nuts because it's like you can't just buy something. You got to create an account and Mm -hmm. jump through eight different hoops. And it's like, how about you just take the visa like a normal store does? Yeah. It's all about the names. Right. Yep. They got to get those names. But yeah, it's like then you create such a strong password that you don't remember it. So the next time you got to create a new one. Right. So like, okay, I'm going to put in my strong password. And then it's like, you can't use the password you've used before. And it's like, I don't know that I use it. Like, I've forgotten all the passwords. Yeah. It's like, I've only got so many passwords. And then you get, you order something. It's like, hey, if you spend 10 more dollars, you get free, free shipping. shipping. And it's like, well, I'm not paying for shipping. That's for sure. <laughs> this is 2023. Right. Not so an animal. Like, but I'm not going to spend like another $50. I'm not going to get the right amount. So it's like, what do I need? So it's like, oh, I can get some rare earth magnets. We'll use those. Mm-hmm. So then you end up with a bunch of rare earth magnets around the shop. <laughs> so it's a struggle. It's, you got to play the game. Mm-hmm. Well, we face that with our lumber supplier, too, where if oh, we yeah. order X amount, then we get free shipping on the lumber. Well... I mean, there's no way that I'm taking my Ford C-Max to go pick up, you know, 25 board feet of mahogany or something like that. So it's like, eh, just throw a couple of sheets of Baltic birch on there. That gets us over the hump. 
one sheet. Yeah, one sheet. Birch. Yeah. We'll this just is get Uber Eats. Phil. We'll get <laughs> Uber Eats to deliver the lumber. Yeah. <laughs> they do that now. That's funny. Yeah. You know what else Grantsman chisels? Is when a tool doesn't live up to my expectations. All right. Okay. Like in terms of quality or what it's supposed to yes. do? Yes. Quality. Okay. Now, this is a, this is a common problem. The, the one that I'm thinking of is a common issue with most track saws. Um, recently got a track saw with extruded aluminum track, kind of standard, you know, standard, standard track stuff. Um, it's a bigger blade, so it has like a four and a half inch depth of cut. So, okay. I, so I got it. I got it for like breaking down slabs and stuff, like thick slabs, because a thicker, thicker than two inches can't cut with a normal circular saw. And I don't like chainsawing them because it just tears it up really bad. Right. Um, so I got a, I'm not going to say the brand, but I got a track saw that can cut really deep. Um, it's battery powered, takes two batteries, you know, beautiful saw. Um, discovered that the two tracks, because they're, they're like five foot tracks, right? To make a 10 foot rip cut. Um, they have a huge bow in them. And I don't know if it's, I just got a bad one. Hmm. Or uh, I'm gonna go see. I'm gonna go buy another set and see if they have a bow in them as well. I know this is kind of a standard issue, not a standard issue, but I know this is a common problem with a lot of aluminum track track saws because they're not milled; they're extruded, right? right? So they as they cool, if you have more mass on one edge of the of the the track versus the other, one edge is gonna cool faster. You know, it, it, it's an issue. So like bow, uh, like a lengthwise. No, 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 no. Like along the cutting line. Oh, so like crook. So, if it was a board, like a crook. Yes, if it was a board, it would be a crook. That's right. So, um, what happened was um, I helped a friend of mine cut. Actually, remember that big um, oak tabletop that I glued up in the shop? Oh yeah, yeah. Um, I had a friend, a friend of mine. Uh, we we ripped that with the the tracks on. I'm thinking. I mean, the cut was beautiful. Like the cut was so smooth. Like I cannot complain about the quality of the cut. But then we went and put the two two edges together, and there was like a I don't know three eighths inch gap in the center. And I'm like, that seems excessive. So um, started looking at it, and actually, I bought on Amazon. I bought a cheap self led a self-leveling laser level, which was like a super awesome purchase for a, um, for like doing framing work. Sure. <laughs> and I laid that down and I put that, that up against it. And it is, I mean, you could see the, you could see the bow in it. Um, and I know, I know, you know, it doesn't really matter what quality of track you buy. Cause, um, I think it was before my time at Popwood, but Colin was doing a, uh, a mid-century modern, um, like council, like a media council, kind of like what you you're working on, Phil. But it was mitered, and they're trying to cut the miters with the Festool track saw. Sure. And the the they ha- were having huge issues because the Festool one was bent as well. Was was bowed. But, wow. It had a crook in it. So, I I think it's a common issue. But things like that, I'm like man, or another good example is. I just bought because I've been fighting this golfer's elbow thing. I, I, I knew I was going to be fighting this before I even picked up a hammer to start framing the shop. So I bought a 
um, electrical wire stapler. So it shoots big staples for doing wire. Yeah. And you can load it with, you know, a couple different sizes. Um, so you don't have to nail in, you know, wire nails, um, and, or wire, yeah, wire staples. Um, it doesn't work. It doesn't work with the crap. Like it was the biggest waste of 40 bucks that I've ever had. (laughs) And that's, and that's saying something. I bought some stupid stuff, (laughs) but it's like, man, I hate it when these tools don't work like they're supposed to. I mean, sometimes you get what you pay for, but when you pay for one of the best ones and it doesn't work still, it's like, man, this is dumb. Yeah. Can't you file it? Do like a warranty claim on that or I, no, I probably could. Yes. I want to see if there's an, if maybe I just gotta, you know, I like to give people the benefit of a doubt. Um, I like, I, I'm going to buy another track and see if that one's boat as well. So you know, might just got a bad one. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it was interesting, um, you know, kind of a tangent here. Um, Harvey International, um, so the people that own Bridge City, they make the Harvey line of woodworking tools. Right. Um, Mark Spagnolo, um, his channel, The Wood Whisperer, they, he did a, um, he did a miter gauge review video a couple months back. Um, and he was looking at kind of like the, the, the highest end miter gauges. Um, and one that had a lot of good reviews that he tried was the Harvey, the Compass um, miter gauge. It's it's expensive. I want to say it's like six hundred dollars. Like it's an expensive one. Wow. But he he had some big issues with the one he got. And he reached out to the to the company to see if he could get a replacement or if something was just wrong with his. Like you know, hey, maybe I just got a bad one, um, which I th- I think is the right way to go about it. Like you know, something you know, stuff occasionally happens. Um, but long story short, you know, he couldn't get a new one, um, so he couldn't offer a real good opinion on it. Um, but, you know, I like to generally just see if, you know, maybe you just got a bad one. Yeah. But sometimes they just suck. Like, <laughs> this stapler just sucks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's the worst when you get something new and it's like, did I just get a bad batch of something or is it me? Right. Yeah. Am I am I the one who can't figure it out? <laughs> yes. And it's usually that case. It's, yeah. It's <laughs> now this is something unusual because we have a segment where we're complaining about stuff, but I will say that something that grinds my chisels is the like instant rage that people have. So mm-hmm. for you, for example, Logan, with your bent track, like there are people that immediately start Oh they yeah. emailing or Ugh. some kind of social media post or Google review or something like that, where it turns it into that, you know, the makers of said tools are the spawn of Satan and yeah, they're trying to crucify yeah. the company. Yeah. 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 Cause we've all had to do customer service and it's like, mm-hmm. okay, stop, take a breath. Yeah. Read it again. Make sure you don't embarrass yourself. Cause you probably missed something. <laughs> You know, sometimes it is, there is like, but it's like, give, give them a chance to, to either fix it or figure it out. Right. It's like, we're all reasonable people. We're not trying to like get one over on you or anything. We're, I mean, we'll figure it out. Yeah. So just take a breath. Are you prepared to have that kind of email or comment sent to you? And how would you take that? Yeah. Or they're like, they're in a huge rage and like, 
you you discover something where like oh they just missed this how do i explain it to them without making them feel stupid yeah it's like oh hey you know we all make mistakes and just it's 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 right here and i I don't know i i get sick a little adrenaline when i get those customer service emails where it's like, hey, you sent this in. You realize I'm not published this, right? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah. I might remove your name, but I'm going to publish this. Yeah. Now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So that one has definitely been bothering me. I think because we had, uh, I don't know. Well, I. You know, as the executive editor, I get forwarded a lot of comments mm-hmm. from people, and there's just, you know, like you've said it before, John, just keep scrolling. Like, there's so much other stuff yeah. in the world to worry about, to worry about, or not worry about, and just find your center and move on. Right. It's like I've listened to every one of your 142 podcasts, and they just, I hate them. Yeah. Like, stop, <laughs> stop listening. <laughs> Why are you doing this to yourself? Oh, God. I get so much enjoyment out of it, though. Like, is there something wrong with me? Like, I haven't gotten a good hate mail in a long time. And I'm a little disappointed. When I first started, I got it all the time. You got so much hate when you first started. And now it's like nothing. Yeah. Yeah. There must be doing something wrong. You've just lowered the standards that nobody knows how to do (laughs) They don't remember what the good years like, were like. Oh, yeah, <laughs> it's not even worth it anymore. Yeah. Oh man, love it! I love it. Yeah. No, uh, I. We get some about like the you know the type of projects. Mm-hmm. Um. And I get it. Everybody has their own whatever on it, but it's like you get. I get five emails about how the projects are too simple and it's not real woodworking. And then I'll get five emails about all your projects require $500,000 worth of tools and nobody's ever going to want to try and do this kind of stuff. And it's way too complex. And how come you can't make anything out of, you know, reclaimed pallet wood and two by four offcuts and stuff like that. It's like, okay, thanks. Yep. You know, I will say, I do at least try to respond to every email I get. There's been a few where I'm just like, I don't trust myself to send this email. Yeah. So, <laughs> I, you just I, you I, type it all out, and then you're like, delete, 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 delete. <laughs> I, as I say, I got that from a friend of mine. Uh, he used to be a, a CFO at a, a print shop I worked at. And uh, he... I picked up a good habit from Josh where it's like, if you have a snappy email you're going to send, type it out and then look at it in the next morning and see if mm-hmm. you still want to send it. So most times it's like, yep, fire it off. Yep. <laughs> Missiles away, turn both keys. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've done that with you guys where I've sent you drafts yeah. of emails where it's like, I want to send this. I'm, trying not to be a jerk but also being a little assertive too where it's like yeah. hey settle down i thought you were gonna say i've had all kinds of emails i want to send you guys but i've never <laughs> <seen> them. <laughs> they're just in drafts yeah and you're gonna uh, release them like yeah, the day of uh-huh. retirement yep. you're just like here you guys go this is all the things i want to say to you yep yep <laughs> 
all the pent up rage. Uh, yeah. yeah. All right, you know what else grants my chisels? Okay. Is when I take a measurement and I know my measurement and I cut my part to my measurement and it still doesn't fit. Mm-hmm. And I don't know where my original measurement came from. <laughs> you guys ever done that? Oh, yeah. Because it usually happens on a video project for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. I I was framing on Monday, uh, and I did all my ra- all my and they're like my ceiling rafters or my floor joists for the loft or whatever. There's like 19 of them. They're two by eights, um, and I, I took my measurements, got it so my rim board was going to be right on the f- outside face of the framed wall. It's going to be perfect. You know, drywall is going to lay right up against it. Cut them all, nail them all in with my joist hangers, toenail them all in, and then I get up there and put my rim joist or my rim plate on, and I'm like, these are all a half inch too long. (laughs) How do you fix that when they're all nailed in place? A chainsaw. That's how you fix it. (laughs) Just notch it. So that's what I did. Just (laughs) I chainsawed all of them. Well, I I I played around with the idea of just running that rim board through my planer. Like, Mm -hmm. let's take half inch off of it. I'm like, you know what? It feels a lot. It feels right in my soul just to get my chainsaw out and cut yeah. it off. That's yeah. what I did. Okay. And if then there was you bar had a, oil, bar oil all over. If only you had a huge jointer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. Man. It'd be so nice. All right. I think that's it for another episode of the Shop Notes podcast. Uh, don't forget to check out our show notes page where you can see some of the things that we've been talking about on today's episode. Uh, and also to subscribe on our YouTube channel to get not only the Shop Notes podcast, but all the other videos that we do there as well. And if you're a podcast listener and you're just listening to the audio version only and you're not looking at our faces, we salute you and also ask that you rate and review the Shop Notes podcast on your local podcastery so that we can get this podcast in front of other woodworkers like you. I also want to know what grinds your chisels. So if you want to leave those in the comment section on our YouTube channel or send me an email, woodsmith at woodsmith.com, that would be really great. And as always, we're trying to include a free plan with every issue or episode of the podcast. This week's plan is a furniture project, one that I've always thought was super cool. It's a hall tree. So a place to hang your coats and stash some umbrellas and other things uh, right by the door. Also has an adjustable mirror on it as well. So it's a really cool project, four-sided, freestanding hall tree. Just the thing for an entryway uh, and small enough to fit in a lot of of houses. So you can check that out on the show notes page again or on the description that goes along with this video. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next week on the Shop Notes Podcast. Bye, everybody.